0: The blessings of freedom produce an expectation of a comfortable life and a comfortable life produces a lethargy of spirit. And friends, I say from the depth of my being, that is why fasting and giving and serving and risking are so important for our spiritual health.
1: Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. And Colin, we're continuing a message today called, Blessed are those who are persecuted. And we began there thinking of the freedom that we experience here in the West. It does produce the expectation of this comfortable life. When you do a bit of traveling, You see the persecution in other parts of the world and you wonder, are we really under any persecution over here? Yeah,
0: and it's certainly possible to get away in a a relatively trouble-free kind of way, so long as you keep your head down and don't say anything very distinctive (laughs) about Jesus. But there are people listening to us right now who are saying, you know what, I stood for truth. I spoke for Christ I was distinctive about my Christian witness, and I found it really costly. And that's part of the reality wherever we live in the world.
1: Whether it may be that you don't get the promotion, or you're the black sheep of the family, or whatever it may be, there is a cost. So why is persecution important for us? Let's start with the word of Jesus. Blessed are
0: those who are persecuted. It seems that there is a particular experience of fellowship with Christ that comes when there is a cost involved in following him. And every Christian experiences that if you're a real follower of Jesus, it means you're taking up your cross and following him. There is a cost for you and when you feel it, when there's something that's really hard in your life that wouldn't be there if it were not that you were following Christ, you are going to know something of his presence and his blessing in a
1: different way from other times. And that's the promise of Jesus. Well, let's continue to look at that from Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. Here's Pastor Colin with the second part of his message, Blessed are those who are persecuted.
0: And here is where I want to speak especially to all of our high school students across the congregations this weekend, and our middle school students too. And, of course, their parents and their grandparents. If someone, if you were known to be a Christian in high school today, you are going to get some opposition. Apart from anything else, Satan has his eye on you, and there's never a situation in which somehow he gives a break to you until you're 21, you know, no trouble until you... Old enough to drive a car or whatever, it starts earlier than that. Different people, of course, have different experiences, but here's what you should expect. That's what we've learned from the first point here. If people know that you are a Christian, even though you are young, expect to be mocked for believing in Christ. Expect that people are going to say, you actually believe that God created the world? You must be a fool. How could you possibly think that? And certainly you should expect to be mocked and perhaps ridiculed for obeying Christ. And particularly, I'm thinking here that if you are committed to the path of sexual purity, and if you therefore hold back from the increasingly relentless sexual experimentation that's becoming more and more part So tragically, of high school culture, people are going to think you're strange, they're going to make fun of you because of it, there are going to be some groups that you might like to belong to, but because they're acting in a certain way and you're not, you find yourself outside, you feel yourself to be sort of outcast, socially ostracized, and when other Students know that you are a Christian, and sometimes teachers too. They may make your life hard. This is what Jesus says. You see, verse 11, that Jesus knows about what you're experiencing in high school. He's speaking about it right here. They will utter all kinds of evil against you. It's what So many of our students are actually experiencing in high school today. It's exactly what Jesus says because the Bible's speaking to your life and Jesus knows what is going on. And you need to understand why this is going on. It is because people who are behaving in a way that is displeasing to Christ and destructive to themselves, they're already suppressing the light of their own conscience and now they're seeing that light in you and they don't like it. They hate it. My own experience on this score was really pretty tame. There was one teacher, however, who had it in for me, and he was a good teacher. As far as teaching was concerned, I actually owe a great deal to him. He was a vitriolically committed atheist, and he had a real, to grind against Christians. And because I was one of those that was part of the Christian Union, we had a group of about 20 of us, just 20 in the entire school, and uh, we were the Christian Union, and uh, I was part of that for my first year in the school, and later on, higher up the school, was one of the leaders of the group, so I guess we'd nailed our colors to the mast, and we were thought to be fair game. So... I regularly got on the wrong end of barbed comments that were made in class. When I left school, I went to to see this teacher, thank him for what he'd done for me, which he'd helped me in mathematics, which was his subject for sure. And I'll never forget the very brief conversation. What are you gonna do with your life, Smith? And I said to him, Well. I want to be a pastor, absolute waste of a perfectly good brain. I found out years later that this man had a sister who was a missionary in China. You never know behind the hostility what God is actually doing in a person who persists with twisted and barbed comments what God is actually doing in their life and he may be doing more in the life of a person into whose life your light is shining than you will ever ever realize now moving a generation forward I have two sons as you know who went through high school here and one of them uh, went through a period in high school where a particular teacher went way over bounds. I mean way over bounds in making barbed comments about my son's faith and about his commitment to sexual purity. And I remember wondering as a father, now what should I do about this? Should we complain? Should we make an adjustment to his schedule, take him out of program or Whatever. Here's what we found, and I give you this as my personal testimony, no more. In the kindness of the Lord, we saw our son grow in strength spiritually over a period of about six months that was unmatched either before or even since. Something happened right there and then. It was as if he rose to it. 15, 16 years old, it was as if some spine came into him. It was as if he was saying, and indeed we heard him saying, I'm not going to be bowled over by this. And then I began to think, you know, this isn't all so bad. I'd rather he's pushing against that teacher than pushing against me. God put strength into him by the opposition that he faced. God's hand was in it. And it was not long before Karen and I said to each other, you know, God meant it for good.
1: Pastor Colin Smith thereon opened Open the Bible with the message, Blessed are those who are persecuted. We're pausing here, but we'll get back to the message in just a moment. If you ever miss a broadcast or would like to hear a message again, you can always go back and listen right on the website, openthebible.org.uk. You can stream the program anytime. Again, that's at openthebible.org.uk. I briefly want to tell you about some exciting things happening at Open the Bible. They've been making a number of changes to the website, openthebible.org.uk. And one of them is making it easier for you to support the ministry. And this month, for your support, they want to offer you a free copy of Pastor Colin's new book, Six Hours That Changed the World. In it, Pastor Colin gives a clear, biblical and compelling presentation of the gospel message that you could use to share with someone this Easter. They'll send you a free copy of this book when you go to the website to set up a regular donation of at least £5 a month. Find out more about receiving Pastor Colin's book, Six Hours That Changed the World, when you go to openthebible.org.uk. Well, let's return to the message. Again, here is Pastor Colin.
0: There's a principle here for all of us. Opposition helps you grow as a Christian. It is, Paul says, through many tribulations that we must enter into the kingdom of God encourage those of you who are younger, ask any older Christian how it was that you grew, where it was in your life that you grew most, and you'll get the same answer. And those of you who are older here in this congregation will testify to this. It was when you went through something really tough, was it not? That was when you found the nearness of Christ. That was when the deep roots were really put down. And what is true for us individually, you see, is also true for the church as a group. It's true for us together. that persecution has a sanctifying effect on the church, which is why it comes at the end of the Beatitudes. I will never forget the immense privilege that we had. Some of you will remember this well. Two years ago, we had Ajith Fernando speaking from this very pulpit. And in the course of his sermon, he told us about the history of the church in his home country of Sri Lanka. And paraphrasing what he said, it was along these lines. He said, now, for the years of British rule in Sri Lanka, the church was very comfortably positioned The British rule was kind of benign towards the church, and in fact, bishops, you know, had seats at the table of power and influence uh, in government house and all this kind of thing. And he said, throughout all of these years, there was very little persecution and very few conversions. Then the British go, and in comes a militant and aggressive Hindu government, Persecution, youth workers in prison, and conversions everywhere. Now, to be sure, something else happens, and this won't surprise you. When persecution comes, people who are Christians in name only leave the church in droves. So here we are in America. And all the reports still tell us that 80% of Americans profess to be Christian. As soon as there's some persecution, how many are still going to be there? This is going to be costly. I'm out of here. Is that what you would say? Yeah, the church actually ends up being shrunk very, very quickly. As soon as this happens, it gets smaller. But those who remain find themselves praying as never before. The bonds of fellowship grow closer. They become more real than ever before. The spiritual temperature rises, and unconverted people see something that is real, and they are drawn to it. That's how suffering has a sanctifying effect on the church. And Jesus told us that happened across a whole nation. Now friends, there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that the culture in which we live and serve is becoming more hostile towards Christians and churches. You can all see that. Anyone who's observing our country and loves our country can see that. For 200 years and more, the culture in which we live has been very kind very supportive towards Christians. But any observant person can see that that is changing and that it is changing fast. And no one should be wishing persecution. But if God should allow us to suffer for our faith in ways that we have not before, we should be praying that he will use that for the reviving of his church here in this great country which is desperately, And the Beatitudes show how this works. See, here's this uh, eighth Beatitude right at the end, and it's about persecution. What happens when persecution comes? Well, you realize immediately what? I don't have what it takes. And so what? You're cast back upon the Lord, and suddenly where are you? You're poor in spirit. And then when it comes, what happens next? You begin to say, Well, now, how could I possibly have been so shallow for so long? And you're beginning to mourn your own sin. You're going to see your life in an entirely different way. You thought you were doing great as a Christian. Now you say, I'd hardly begun. And then you begin to say, Well, I've got to meekly submit to the will of God, even where it's costly, and especially where it's costly. And I've got to try to do what is right here in order to honor Christ. And as you're doing these things, what's going to happen? You're going to find compassion that's growing in you, and purity that's growing in you, and peace that is coming to you. And the world will see more of that. And because they see that light, they'll hate you even more. And the whole cycle begins all over again. Christian growth, purity. Years ago, while I was uh, serving as a, a pastor in England, now this must be more than 20 years ago, there was a relatively young pastor who came to speak at a national conference for the denomination, the free church denomination I was serving over there, and his name was John Piper. A lot of years ago, a lot more people have heard of John Piper now than perhaps then. But he made an extraordinary comment, and I'm sitting as a pastor in England listening to this, and I thought it extraordinary at the time, but I feel I understand it much better now. But he said to our denominational conference more than 20 years ago, America is one of the hardest places in the world to be a true Christian. And I'm thinking to myself, that cannot be possibly true. And having been here for 16 years and loving this country so much, as we all do, I now understand what he was saying. Because the blessings of freedom produce an expectation of a comfortable life. And a comfortable life produces a lethargy of spirit. And friends, I say from the depth of my being, that is why fasting and giving and serving and risking are so important for our spiritual health. Because you cannot follow Christ far living within the comfort zone. Can't. Some of you in the congregation and in the last years, it's become a very, very fast-growing number as the congregation has become more and more and more and wonderfully diverse people from all backgrounds. Many of you now do have stories about how you have suffered. Some of you have been in prison. Now, here you are, part of this congregation. I tell you, we need you and we need your stories. They will strengthen the rest of us who have to overcome this lethargy that so easily comes with a comfortable life to which we have become too used. So, share your stories with a life group, share them with one of the pastors, share them with, with me. Let us encourage one another so that a sense of rising up as the church of Christ to attempt great things will will prevail among us i want to say more about that tonight and here's the very last thing for now i want you to look at the outcome of persecution and notice that jesus specifies two wonderful wonderful outcomes the first is great blessing and the second is great reward let's just look at great blessing here verses 10 and 11 blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake blessed are you when others revile you. Now the reward comes later, but the blessing that Jesus speaks about to believers is something that believers experience now. How can believers be blessed if they're persecuted? Well, Jesus says they are, the two go together. It's hard for us to understand that, but he says, as you experience this, you are going to enter into blessing that will be greater than you have known before. And the Bible, of course, is full of this. There is a fellowship of Christ's sufferings that Paul speaks about. There is a communion with Jesus Christ, an anointing of the spirit that comes to a man or to a woman in facing opposition in regards to the advance of the gospel that is greater than anything you will experience at any other time or in any situation. Let me give you just this one quote from Samuel Rutherford, a pastor who testifies in this way very simply. He's been a preacher for nine years, and he said this, I never knew in my nine years of preaching so much of Christ's love as he taught me in Aberdeen through six months' imprisonment. Is that not striking to you? This is pastor. I mean, standing as I'm standing now. He's preaching. He's been doing it for nine years. And this was the experience of his own soul. I never knew as much of the love of Christ in nine years of preaching as I discovered in just six months when I was slung in prison in Aberdeen. Why? Because what Jesus speaks of in this beatitude became His experience. He was persecuted, and and He enters into blessing in a whole new way, and the Spirit of the Lord is upon him, and a knowledge of the love of Christ is given to him. Peter puts it this way, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 14, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, that speaks directly to some in high school and certainly in all kinds of ways, whatever your age, even here, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Oh, how much I pray. Don't you pray for the spirit of God and glory to evidently let rest upon my life. Peter says, well, here's what it will happen more than in any other way and at any other time. You'll enter into the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. One picture and then we're through. You remember how this wonderful truth of blessing in affliction is... Pictured for us in the story, it really happened in the book of Daniel. Three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and abednego And there's this fearsome king, Nebuchadnezzar, and he's commanded that everyone bows down to him, and these men won't do it. And so persecution comes, and it's an awful persecution. There is this fiery furnace. And the men are brought out. You can read it in Daniel in chapter 3. And their hands are bound, and then bindings go around their tunics. And so uh, can you picture them? And there's this fiery furnace, and, and the three of them are thrown in there by the king. And what a grisly mind this man must have had because he wanted to look into the furnace And here's Nebuchadnezzar and he's looking into the flames and uh, that'll fix him. And he can't believe what he sees. He says to one of his counselors, was it not three men that we threw into that furnace? Yes, O king, they say. I guess if you're a counselor to Nebuchadnezzar, you're just going to say yes to every question he asks. Yes, yes. Then why do I see four men and they are walking and they are not bound? And the fourth one looks like the Son of God, walking with Christ in the furnace of affliction.
1: Pastor Colin Smith there on Open the Bible, concluding the message Blessed are those who are persecuted, one of the final messages in the 17-part series called Momentum, How to Make Progress in the Christian Life. And as we look at the topic of persecution, it's helpful to know that the outcome is great blessing for those who are persecuted and that there is great reward. Maybe you want to hear this series again or pass it on to a friend or family member. You can stream the program online at openthebible.org. You're able to tune in each day to hear Pastor Collins' teaching because of the generosity of listeners just like you. And the team are thankful for the many of you who have shown support through giving. And this month they have something new and exciting to offer, as they continue to make a number of changes on the website, and that includes an easier way for you to give. Visit the website at openthebible.com. And as a token of their appreciation for your financial support, there's a special gift to send you. It's Pastor Colin's latest book, Six Hours That Changed the World. And Colin, why did you write this book?
0: Well, you know, it's amazing how often six hours can come and go. They just fly by without anything of real consequence actually happening. But one Friday, about 2,000 years ago, there were six hours that really did change the world. Jesus hung on the cross for six hours, and through what he accomplished on the cross, the lives of millions and the eternities of millions of people have been changed forever. And uh, the cross, of course, is at the very heart of the Christian faith. And I wrote this book so that you can see what it was that Jesus accomplished on the cross and how everything
1: is different because of it for all who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they want to send you this book, Six Hours That Changed the World. It's a gift to show their appreciation for your support of Open the Bible. Just go to the website, openthebible.org.uk and set up a regular donation of at least £5 a month to receive your free copy. Again, the website is openthebible.org.uk
0: What did Jesus mean in Matthew in chapter 6 and verse 20 when he says, Lay up treasure in heaven. What does that mean? He seems to be saying that it is possible to have more rather than less in heaven.
1: Pastor Colin looks at this from Matthew chapter 5 next time. This program is a listener-supported production of Open the Bible.